Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The NBA is a very, very long season. And one week, you're the number one team in the Western Conference. A week later, you're not. You're not even in the top three. Life comes at you fast in the NBA. And life is coming at the New Orleans Pelicans fast as... A team that had won seven straight has now lost four in a row after falling at home to the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this chilly Tuesday morning as we get closer and closer to the Christmas holidays. I'm joined in the studio by the woman who flexes up with two jackets on a regular basis, Miss Hannah. Five names. I'm Raymond Parch the third, the big bald and beautiful one, and we got a good show lined up for you today. We're gonna be talking Raging Cajuns, basketball, and bowl game with Dan McDonald, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and the man behind the ESPN Plus broadcast. Jim Gazzolo will be joining us. Latest updates on the McNeese basketball teams as well as does he expect Gary Goff to be able to secure any commitments during the early signing period this week? Typically, what's happened is that that's for Power 5 conferences, that's for FBS football, but could Goff get a couple of commitments in early? We'll talk about that with Jim Gazzolo today. And then Ali Cassell, our friend from the Bird Rights We'll talk all things New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, we want to hear from you. You know that. Hotline's always open. It doesn't matter if it's a holiday week or not. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We're going to start off with the New Orleans Pelicans. What, a week ago, they were... Number one with a bullet. Atop the Western Conference standings. Had won back-to-back games against the Phoenix Suns. Zion Williamson was averaging about 33, 34 points a night. And they looked like one of the best teams in the Western Conference. But since then, Back-to-back losses to the Utah Jazz, including one game that they let slip away from them in overtime on the road, a loss to the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. And then last night, they came back home to the big blunder. And we're taking on Giannis. That's right. The Greek freak came to town. 
as well as former New Orleans Pelican star Drew Holiday and others. And the Pelicans were absolutely no match. Just no match. They they kept it close for a half. But Giannis went off for 42 points and 10 rebounds. Former league MVP, one of the top three players in the league. And they had absolutely no answer on how to defend him. They did wave after wave of different guys. They put Herb on him. Zion was on him. Valachunas was on him for a little while. It really didn't matter. The Greek freak set the tone and said, I got this. And as good as Zion is, he's not Greek freak good yet. Not yet. Giannis is an MVP candidate year in, year out. A world champion. This is a guy who's on another level. Zion wants to get to that level. The Pelicans want to get to the Bucks level. This is a team with veterans that know how to win, know how to win close games. Pelicans aren't there. And you saw the difference in last night's game. Look, give it up to Valachunas. He was a monster on the offensive side of the ledger. He led the Pelicans with 37 points. Great performance by him. He stepped up in a big way. Also had 18 rebounds. That's a good night at the office. The problem for the Pels, they didn't have that many other people help out. C.J. McCollum exceeded what over under for him last night was 18 and a half points. He dropped 31. So C.J. McCollum stepped up. Valachunas stepped up. Trey Murphy gave him 13 points. But Zion gave him 18, but 18-7-7, and which is not a bad stat line by any stretch of the imagination. You know what stands out, though, to me? There was never a stretch in the game where you felt like Zion took over because the Bucs didn't let him. He also had five turnovers. 18-7-7 and is not a bad stat line. But it's not where Zion has been playing. And obviously it's not enough against a team like Milwaukee. He had some moments, but they weren't enough. The bench didn't step up either. A combined 11 points from the five players coming off the bench. That's not winning basketball. You look at Milwaukee, Giannis, 42-10. and 10. Brooke Lopez, that guy's almost my age. He's still out there playing, dropping 30 points out there. And the big-time center, by the way, was 4 of 9 from three-point range. Drew Holiday, 18 points, had some big shots, was perfect from the free throw line as well, the former Pelican, who's helped the Bucks win a world title. This is the difference right now. It's not that 
the Pelicans don't have talent. It's not that they can't be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And we started the season, we talked about the goal for this team, the expectation for this team should be a top three, top four seed in the West. The fact that they got to the, were the best team in the Western Conference briefly is great. That's something they can build upon. But in a game like last night, and what we've seen in this stretch, where they've went from the number one team in the Western Conference all the way down to number four now, is they miss Brandon Ingram. They miss their all-star. Because teams are going to take Zion away. Milwaukee frustrated Zion, rotated in and off of him, made it an issue for him where he had to put together a workmanlike performance just to get to 18 points. Now, they gave up Valachunas and they said, okay, get after it. And C.J. McCollum did well as well. But they need that other guy. Bench didn't step up like they needed to. They're missing Brandon Ingram still. It shows. Now look, this is still a team right now in fourth place in the standings, 18 and 12 overall. And they're only a game and a half back. It's all log jam up there with the Grizzlies, Nuggets, Suns, and the Pelicans. Clippers aren't far behind New Orleans. Sacramento's right there as well. But you don't have to worry about Golden State or the Los Angeles Lakers because they're currently both below 500 to the glamour franchises of the NBA not doing so well. And look, this was also a tough stretch for the Pels. The four straight losses, back-to-back against Utah, Phoenix, and Milwaukee. Well, Utah and Phoenix, if the playoffs started today, they would be playoff teams in the Western Conference. And we already know that Milwaukee's always, year in, year out, a contender. And they're currently the best team in the Eastern Conference. So, they're not losing to a bunch of scrubs, right? They're not doing that. That's at least something. That said, this team's still a work in progress. But the NBA season is long. It's a long season. They don't crown a champion until, what, June, July? It's December, right? So, so, When everyone got excited about them being the best team in the Western Conference, I said pump the brakes. And I'm sure there'll be some naysayers that'll go, look, 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 this team, this team, this team's not very good. Everyone should pump the brakes there as well. This is a team that's still figuring itself out. Won four straight, have now lost four in a row, season high losing streak. But guess what? They have the Spurs coming to town. (laughs) Good old San Antonio, which has been a shell of itself for at least the last couple years. That is reeks of a classic 
get right game. That'll be Thursday night inside the Smoothie King Center. Good old-fashioned get right game against the San Antonio Spurs. So they'll have an opportunity to figure it out. Is there concern? Not really. It's still way too early in the season. But this team isn't perfect. And they're going to have to have Brandon Ingram. As good as Zion is, if you want to go up against the best teams and beat the best teams consistently, because this is what it boils down to. This isn't about a regular season game. This is about when you get to the playoffs and you have to play series. Right? When they lost back-to-back last week against Utah, you're going to have to do that in a playoff series where you're going to have to go play two games on the road and play twice in three nights. Is New Orleans built for that yet? They're still a work in progress. They're getting there, but they're still a work in progress. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we'll talk about Monday night football. Oh, yeah. Packers keeping their playoff hopes alive, slim as they are, with a win over the Rams. There was no Baker Mayfield magic last night. We'll get to it coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 60. Debating whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not is pointless. Die Hard is awesome. So go ahead and sit back and watch John McClain kick butt. This helpful holiday tip is brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season? Then look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also located right there at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Man, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. I can have a good time there. I do enjoy going there. Delicious steaks. Great service, too. Got a little cigar room at Mr. Lester's. You can have a good time down at Cypress Bayou now. You know who... Didn't have a good time last night? Baker Mayfield. There was no Baker magic last night. Monday night football as the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams put an exclamation point on a lost season as they fall 24-12 to to a Green Bay Packers team that, let's be honest, isn't very good either. With the win, the Packers improved to 6-8, and eight, keep their playoff hopes slim 
as it may, they may be still alive. Rodgers was, eh, eh. Less than 230 yards passing, a touchdown and a pick. That was it. Baker Mayfield, Kevin Foote's favorite quarterback that doesn't play for the Saints. 12 of 21 for 111 yards, a touchdown and a pick. That's the performance that we expected to see last week when he came off the bus after being signed and was able to put together a very efficient, great performance. Kind of caught lightning in the bottle last week. There was none of that this week. Packers did a nice job of preparing for him, frustrating him as the Rams struggled. When your leading wide receiver is a running back with three catches, usually not a sign of offensive efficiency. Have you seen a team crater as hard as the Rams have after winning a Super Bowl? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last Super Bowl champion. Now, we see teams losing the Super Bowl, and the next year they have what they call the Super Bowl hangover, where they struggle and they just can't find a way to kind of get on track. It's still lingering the disappointment of losing the biggest game of their career. But the Rams won it last year. They won it. And I know Stafford got hurt and Cooper Cup got hurt and OBJ didn't come back and they lost Von Miller in free agency, but dang, I did not expect the Rams to be as awful as they are. I mean, they are just one of the worst teams in the NFL. They also miss Big Wit, by the way. Andrew Whitworth, the former LSU Tiger. A guy that's going to more than likely end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They brought him back for another year to man the offensive line last year, and it helped. He's not there. They are not good. But thankfully, if you're a Rams fan, you get all those picks that you can depend on. Oh, wait, no, you don't. You know who has the Rams' first-round pick? The Detroit Lions, who are fighting to get into the playoffs. So Detroit could get into the playoffs this year, year two of Dan Campbell in charge, and still have a top three, top five pick as well. Things are looking up in Detroit. As for the Rams, ugh, they're just awful. Just awful. Four in ten? Two of the biggest disappointments in the NFL have to be the Rams and the Cardinals. Without a doubt. Both of them are just dreadful and had such high expectations for both. Expectations were high for the NFC West and the AFC West, and we've seen how that's kind of turned out for everyone involved. Because with the loss last night, the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, were officially eliminated from the postseason. Joining the Cardinals at 4-10. and 10. Ugh. Baker Mayfield, I have no idea what they're going to do with him. 
I mean, obviously, he's going to have to be a backup now. Moving forward, I mean, he was just a stopgap for the Rams because Stafford's out, and they're not going to bring him back this year because of the injury to the shoulder. Uh, Did you just sign Baker? Do you keep Baker around to be your backup quarterback? Do you throw out 35-year-old Matthew Stafford and Baker Mayfield? Are those your two options? If you're the Rams, if you're Sean McVay, you know, we heard rumors last year that McVay was contemplating retiring at such a young age just to step away from the game because he started getting burned out. This is the type of season that'll do that, especially with the fact that you won't have any way of replenishing your team and trying to do a quick rebuild because you don't have any picks because Detroit has them all. This is the dangers of going all in. This is what happens. The Rams went all in. They traded away assets. They traded away draft picks. They signed free agents. They put all their chips to the center of the table last year and said, you know what? We're bringing back Big big Wit. We're going to bring in OBJ. We're going to bring in Vaughn Miller. We're going to bring all these guys that are essentially rentals. And we're going to go all in because we feel like we got a team that can win on Lombardi right now. And they did. And they went on a great run and they won it all. And they're Super Bowl champs. But now they've been eliminated for the playoffs before Christmas. They're going to have a top five draft pick that they're not going to have because it's Detroit's. So how are you going to rebuild? Are you going to be able to convince free agents to come there? When you look as bad as you do? I don't know, man. I don't know about the Rams moving forward. I don't know what they're going to do. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Randy to the show. Randy, good morning to you. Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. What's on your mind? Oh, good morning and Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, The Pelicans. uh, You know, I I stopped watching the NBA for about 20 years, and uh, Zion has made a new fan of me. I've been watching the Pelicans this season a lot. I even got the Bally app so I can watch them. Oh, nice. And uh, I got to tell you, there's a pattern. Even when they were going through their big winning streak, there's a pattern. They'll they'll be dominating in the paint. You can have maybe Zion and Valanciunas on the floor at the same time, and they're unstoppable on the offense. Or maybe Larry Nance, you know, is driving the lane and being the big guy when they're on the bench getting a rest. But they always stop and go to this what I call five-wide offense where the whole team hangs out at the arch on offense, throw these bricks. There's nobody there to rebound because they're all hanging out on the outside. It's basically a turnover. And when you want the other team to go on a run, the Pelicans, that's what happens. They go to that offense and the other team goes on a run. Then Zion gets back in there, maybe Valanciunas something, and they start dominating again. But when they get behind, they go to it even more, it seems, and it gets worse. And last night's a perfect example. You look at the box score, the Pelicans shot 40% from the three-point range, which is good for this team. Problem is, it was 45 of their 99 shots. Almost half were from downtown. And they were at 40% of almost half. They ended up less than 50% field goal percentage. That's horrible. When you look at the Bucs, they shot less percentage from three points, but they were well over 50 field goal percentage, which means they were taking more high percentage shots. 
And the, and the other difference is when the Bucks are shooting threes, they've got a couple of guys down in the paint competing for offensive rebounds. The Pelicans don't do that when they're in their five-wide offense. They throw a brick, it's a turnover. It, it frustrates the heck out of me, and it's one of those reasons I stopped watching basketball years ago. They, they hang out at the three-point line, and one ball hog's going to get 50 points, and it just doesn't – it's not fun. And it frustrates me when the Pelicans do that. And then all of a sudden they'll stop, and you'll see Valanciunas score 30-something points in the paint, and it's like that's what we need to do. Hit the big man, drive the lane, layups, short jumpers, free throws. That's where the Pelicans dominate. They've got to stick with it. they just got to. Randy, appreciate the phone call, brother. Be safe out there today, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Randy makes a good point. I see a lot of teams do this where they all sell out on shooting from the perimeter. That's what he's talking about with the five wide. No one's underneath, so it's easy rebound opportunities for the opposition. Now, it works if you can come down and drain those shots. It's, the, it's, it's what I call the golden state effect. But the key for the Warriors, yes, they had the Splash Brothers during this great run that they've had. But they also had someone down low that could get the rebounds in Draymond Green. Or other guys, even JaVale McGee, for crying out loud. They would sell out, but they would still have someone around to get boards. And you do see stretches from the Pels where they sell out and there's no one there to scoop up the rebound to, to extend the possession and to maybe do some putback opportunities. But I see that a lot. That's just not a Pelicans thing. I see that a lot in pro basketball, period. I just do. But this is still a young team trying to figure things out. And we see stretches where they don't have it figured out yet. And that's why I said again, it was great that they were first place in the Western Conference, but it's a long season. And they're going to go through these lulls and they're going to lose some games that they shouldn't lose. And sure enough, that's what they're doing. Plus, look, the Bucks are a far superior team to the Pelicans. It, it, Milwaukee is a team primed to win an NBA championship. The Pelicans are primed to be a top four seed. There's a big difference. You take steps. It took Milwaukee steps to get to that point. Milwaukee's just on another level. They're a level above New Orleans, and you saw that last night in the Smoothie King Center. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll unveil our poll question of the day. Hey, Christmas is this weekend. Guess what? We got another Christmas-themed poll question for you. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time, okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Mr. Grinch, you really... Lafayette Marble and Granite. Look, you know they have the largest selection of granite quartz and marble here in Acadiana. You've heard me tell you about that. You've heard me talk about what they did at my house. 
with the renovation that we had a few years ago in our bathroom, how we're going to be utilizing them when we do our kitchen remodel. They're great at what they do. The selection is amazing. The customer service is even better. And they provide more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, and your man caves, though. Chris and his team over at LMG, they also now have an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new grout-free shower line. That's right. No muss, no fuss. And guess what? In a couple years, you don't worry, have to worry about that odor that comes from using grout. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about the sensational services and the tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their now renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business and trust me, earn it, they will. Poll question of the daytime. It's Christmas this week. In case you didn't know. Fellas, if you haven't bought the gift for your lady in your life, first of all, you're not doing it right. <laughs> That's first of all, it is if it's December 20th and you haven't got the gift for that lady in your life, your wife, the mother of your children. Oh, we're going to have to have a talk off the air about changing priorities. That's one. Two. Two. <laughs> do it now, today. If you need to take time off, do it today. Don't wait. This could use some, some helpful tips here. Because <laughs> I feel like someone is listening that has not done what they're supposed to do. Don't think that you can go order something online and have it arrive in time for Christmas. No, 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 no. Don't assume that. They're going to tell you, hey, shipping, we'll get it there. But you'll start to notice they now have a window. No one will commit. They'll give you a window It'll be there between December 24th and December 28th. Well, that ain't helping. That ain't helping. Right? So, if you haven't got the lady what she wanted by now, on this glorious Tuesday morning, December 20th, then you need to take time off from work, knock off early, pretend like you're doing some errands, pretending like you're having to stay at work late, and you go to whatever store you need to go to and take care of that lady in your life. Do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till Thursday when the shelves starting to look a little bare and prices have been marked up. Don't wait till Friday where we're supposed to have the frigid Arctic storm throughout the entire area. That's the other part about the shipping where they're saying, hey, there's a price range, there's a day range to getting you your gift that you'll order online because guess what? The Arctic blast storm that's supposed to be coming through our part of the United States is going to delay things being shipped and is going to delay delivery, especially if people can't travel on roads. 
because of ice. Don't wait. Make today the day you go and take care of that. Friendly piece of advice from your boy RP3. Poll question of the day. Yesterday, we asked, real tree, fake tree, or both? Artificial tree won the poll question yesterday, but many of you did say both, and many did come out. Good percentage of you came out and said a real tree. Poll question of the day today, do you put up white or multicolored lights? This is also always a great debate, and it's a debate in the Parch household as well. I am very much a traditionalist, so I like things in a traditional manner. I drink my eggnog, I have my Christmas tree, I listen to the Christmas music I want to listen to, I'm not interested in what now that's what I call Christmas music volume three has to deliver to the household. I don't care. And I grew up with colored lights on the tree. And I grew up in an era where you had still the big lights, the ones that you're not allowed to have on the tree anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> big lights outside on the house, you know, the big, like you know, two inch lights outside on the house, multicolored lights outside and multicolored lights on the tree my wife she is all about the white lights when she decorates the tree she loves the white lights on the tree she doesn't like colored lights on the tree so we actually have two trees at our house one that the wife decorated that we helped and then another one which is the kids which has colored lights on it and it's a battle because my wife loves the look of the white lights. I like the look of the colored lights. So we wanted to ask you, do you put up white or multicolored lights? White, multicolored, or both? And right now, 50% of you say white lights is your jam. 28% say multicolored. And 22% of you say both. Let's get to some early comments here on our poll question of the day. B-Rad says, I've had white lights on mine for years, but this year we decided to switch it up and go with multicolored lights. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, put up white lights inside, and that is not my choice. The boss, she makes that decision. <laughs> there it is, John Paul. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling. <laughs> Once again, what's the, what, what's the saying? Oh, happy wife, happy life. We need to go ahead and pass that along to Kenneth. Just saying. I'm just saying. He's trying to figure that out. He still thinks he's right, but he's starting to figure that out that I'm right and he's wrong. Oh, oh, we still believe you're wrong. We just won't tell you. Yeah, it's he's how, doing that. He's doing that. Yeah. It's how that's how that works. Yes, dear. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. dear. He won't say yes, dear, though. He won't say that. He'll go, okay, yep, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. And, and then, see... I have this argument with my wife all the time. She goes, well, why aren't you discussing it? Because you already know how I feel about it. You and I don't share the same viewpoint on this. So I am conceding and letting you, you want it done this way. So I'm just going to say, yep, okay, whatever, and be done with it. I'm not going to get an argument on why I think it should be done this way because you're not hearing it anyway. So why does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> 
So why does it matter? <laughs> you want white lights on the tree? That's awesome. You want the tree to look like it's in a department store? Outstanding. Let's get after it. Doesn't it look beautiful? Yep. <laughs> don't know. Don't know what else you want for me there. I'm not for sure what else you want. So what do you like? What do you, what do you what are your lights? So in our house, our tree is a pre-lit tree. So our tree's white lights. And then outside, we got last year at at home, they had like ten for ten dollars of little boxes of lights. Okay. So we got both white and multicolored. Nice. So the top edges of like the roof is multicolored, but around our three windows in the front are have white lights around them. So we have the both See, action going. See, and that's that's similar to what we do at the house. I didn't put up the lights along the gutter this year. Typically, I do that in years past, but then my wife put in very expensive landscaping around the front of the house, so there's no way for me to get up there without somehow implanting, uh, damaging some of her plants. There's no, because it is a massive, because I looked at it this year and I was like, oh, that ain't happening. <laughs> so I just put white lights around the windows in the front and in one in some of the bushes in her landscaping. So we have the white lights out front and we have the big Jack Skeleton inflatable for the kid. Yeah. I mean, we used, we used my little stepladder because, you know, I'm a whole foot and some change shorter than him. So I have a stepladder at the house if you had to get. So he used that to put up most of the lights. But then there were some that he couldn't quite reach because, oh, he's tall. He's not that tall. So we used um, my car. So I heard the thunk, think, thunk, think, thunk of him on the top <laughs> of the roof using the it. ladder. Yeah, I told Just him ask. that. ask. I have a ladder. The man was very sufficient that he wanted to have lights before his little bonfire he had. So they had to be done at the house to where he couldn't go and get some a ladder from somebody. So, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. Keep voting. Oh, also update. Um, oh. Though I don't have the part for my AC to work, the heater does work in my car. So I had heat oh. this morning. Thank Christmas you. miracle. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a Christmas miracle. Five exactly. Babes actually has a heater in her car now. <laughs> it's great feeling my hands not be frozen to my wheel. God bless it. There we go. We got to take a timeout. Keep voting, though, on our poll question of the day. We're going to do all Christmas poll questions this week. Do you put up white or multicolored lights? We want to hear from you. Go leave your votes. Go cast your votes, rather, but leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We've got to take a time out. We'll wrap up hour number one. We'll take your phone calls. Hotline's still open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music, 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com. That's lachristmaschannel.com. Or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. And you can also listen on your Amazon Alexa. So get your holiday cheer on with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Once again, go visit lachristmaschannel.com or simply download the free app for both Apple and Android devices for the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Some news coming out of the high school ranks. 
That's interesting. Coach Dez's brother, Matt, who has been a wildly successful coach at Ascension Episcopal School, six seasons. He went 55 and 14 and led the team to the 2016 state championship game. Well, he's taking over as the Catholic of New Iberia head football coach. They named Coach Dez's brother, Matt, the new head football coach, on Monday. Now, he didn't coach AES last year because he was serving as assistant principal at his alma mater, Catholic High. But he did have a great run there of six seasons, like I said, going 55-14 and 14 with a state title appearance in 2016. And now he's taking over Catholic High. They got a good coach, and you can win at Catholic High. We saw what Brent Endes was able to do, taking the Panthers to two state championship appearances, winning one of those just a few years back. So Catholic High got their, got their man, so to speak. So congratulations to the other Coach Des, Matt, on his new job. That's going to do it for our number one here on RP3 and Company. Hour number two, yeah, we're going to talk Pels, we're going to talk NFL, we're going to talk so much more. Well, also, you know what? We'll hear from you. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. And we're also going to talk Christmas lights and Christmas music as well. That's all coming up right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Pelicans fly, fly, fly. Well, not so much last night. Fourth straight loss season high for the New Orleans Pelicans as they fall 128 to 119 at home to the Milwaukee Bucks. Valachunas had himself a game offensively, 37 and 18. Whew. Zion only had 18, though. He was a little bit on the struggle bus as Milwaukee's defense caused him issues. Wave after wave after wave, not allowing him easy buckets for the most part, making it difficult for him. He also had five turnovers. And New Orleans, who, you know, got 30-plus from C.J. McCollum, got 30-plus from Valachunas, got 18 for Zion. We're no match for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's depth is just too good. Drew Holiday made big shots. Oh, and the Greek freak. 42 and 10. Had no answer for him. 
he's one of the three best players in the league. Period. Couldn't stop him. Couldn't even really slow him down. And you can tell the difference. And this is not to go overboard with what they're doing. But there's a difference between what you see with the New Orleans Pelicans and what you see with the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Pelicans hung tough for a while. This was a close game. This was a single possession, you know, single-digit deficit for most of the game. This game wasn't out of reach. But the team with the better depth, the team with the more experience, the team that has a world championship under their belt, it showed. It showed. Milwaukee is on the next level up above New Orleans. Giannis is on the next level up beyond Zion. Right now, the Pelicans are not the Bucks. They're not on that level. Zion's not on the level of the Greek freak. He's just not. As, as, as good as Zion has looked this year, especially during that 10-game streak where he was averaging 33 points a game, he's not Giannis. Not yet. Not yet. Giannis is a different beast. We're talking generational talent. Guy is an absolute monster. Doesn't mean, though, that the Pelicans can't learn from this. But it's also becoming abundantly clear. They went on the seven-game winning streak, which included two quality wins against the Phoenix Suns, right? But as the season progresses, teams know how to make adjustments. We saw the adjustment that Phoenix made when the two teams played over the weekend in Phoenix, where the Suns got the better of the Pelicans. And teams have figured out Utah, Phoenix, and Milwaukee ways to frustrate Zion. Look, Zion's still going to get his. He's still going to get you even on an off night nearly 20 points a game. But for the Pelicans to win, Zion has to play at an elite level. That's the way the team's built right now. Because you don't have B.I., you don't have Brandon Ingram. You don't have another all-star. Valachunas tried to do his best, and so did C.J. last night. But they still needed Zion to have a great game to beat Milwaukee. See, that's the difference. That's where they're at right now. They're a very good team. Don't let the four-game losing streak take away from the fact that the Pelicans are a very good team as it stands right now on December 20th. They're a very good team. The difference between being a very good team and a great team, and you saw it last night, teams will make adjustments, and you got to push through those adjustments and Zion wasn't able to because he's still learning how to do that and the Pelicans as good as they are once again we're not taking anything away from them being a good team because they are they're not great great teams find a way now what helps the Pels is that they are going to get Brandon Ingram back 
What helps for the Pels is that it's still a long season and they can figure things out and they can continue to grow and develop. And they do have a nice veteran presence in particular with someone like C.J. McCollum out there as their floor general that's going to lead them and implement and do everything that head coach Willie Green wants. And the Western Conference is absolutely wide open. But they still got work to do to be on that next level. Milwaukee is a well-oiled machine. That core has been together for a while. They know how to play off each other. They understand their strengths and their weaknesses. Their head coach is really good. Milwaukee is where New Orleans wants to be. Remember, Giannis was not a top five pick. That's someone that they had to be developed. He turned into a great defensive player. He turned into a league MVP. He turned into a world champion. Where Milwaukee's at, with the way their roster is built, the way they are committed to sometimes playing defense, or as much as you play defense nowadays in the, in the NBA, that is the template. That's where you want to be if you're New Orleans. You look at Milwaukee and you go, that's the template for us. They play defense. They have a good bench. They get contributions on the perimeter, and they have a dominant guy down low. New Orleans can have all of that, but it doesn't happen overnight. And for the Pels, you get the classic get well game Thursday night against San Antonio, who is awful. Greg Popovich must really love coaching because they are a poorly constructed roster. That is just a bad team, and he's still out there. Pop is still out there coaching. But here's the other thing. You've lost four straight now. This is the other growing pains that comes with a young team. Learning how to overcome adversity is one of the biggest hurdles for a young team filled with guys under the age of 25 that haven't experienced a ton of success. Last year, they made the run. They won the play-in tournament. They got into the playoffs. That's great. That's great. They're top four seed as it stands right now. Once again, not taking anything away. But when you have adversity and losses start to pile up on you because it's going to happen to every team in the NBA, happens every single year, the teams that win the championship, that hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the year, you know what? They go through stretches where they look awful. And they lose game after game. But they figure out a way to get through it, to push through it. Veteran teams can handle that better because they understand it and they've been through it before. Younger teams have to figure that out. And that's going to be the big hurdle for the Pelicans is once B.I.'s back, figuring out how he fits on the floor with Zion and Valachunas and Herb Jones all at the same time. That's one. And the second hurdle is going to be learning how to put the losses behind them. Just a week ago, number one team in the Western Conference. Four straight losses later, now they're number four. But they can bounce back and get a couple wins and they can be back to number two or number one because it's such a log jam there at the top of the Western Conference standings. But they got to figure that out. They have to figure that out. And that's another part of being a young team 
is figuring those things out because it doesn't happen overnight. just doesn't. Monday Night Football, bit of a snooze fest. Packers do keep their slim playoff hopes alive with a pedestrian win over the broken dumpster fire that is the defending Super Bowl champion, the Los Angeles Rams. There was no Baker Mayfield magic last night. Packers do enough to get the win. And when you look at the updated standings now in the NFC, Rams with the loss last night have been eliminated from playoff contention. You look at the standings. We already know Philly and Dallas have clinched playoff berths. Right? We know that. So has Minnesota. And that, and so have the San Francisco 49ers. Los Angeles Rams, Arizona Cardinals, Chicago Bears have all been eliminated. Everyone else is still mathematically in the hunt. But you look at the standings in the NFC, and it's interesting. Philly, obviously, is going to be your one seed. Minnesota, as great of the comeback as that was, well, they sure do seem like paper tigers. Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco right now are your one, two, and three. Tampa leads the South, but hasn't clinched it yet at six and eight. Dallas has already clinched a playoff berth. They will be a wild card team on the road. And then you still have the Giants and Commanders are still in the playoff hunt. But right behind them is Seattle at 7-7. and And they hold the tiebreaker over the Detroit Lions because they won the head-to-head. Head-to-head win percentage, rather. But Detroit's right there. One of the hottest teams in the NFL. Creeping, just hanging around, lurking. And then the Packers at 6-8 and eight are distant. Like I said, their playoff hopes are still slim with only three weeks to go. But Detroit still has a chance. Seattle still has a chance. The Commanders still have a chance. We could have four teams from the NFC East in the playoffs. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Paul, to the show. Paul, good morning to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you and yours. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, likewise. Hey, RP, okay, check. Now, everybody knows I'm a Knicks fan and Tar Heels fan, and I don't care for – I support the Pelicans, but I don't care for Duke players or Duke, period. But that's not what this is about. Your boy Zion, let me ask you a question. What you think about him? He's an all-star, superstar. So what you think about this guy? I mean, I think he's an all-star. I think he's trying to take himself to be an elite player. That's still a work in progress. I thought we saw steps of that this year, but I think he's a very good player. I think he has an interesting body type, which can aid him from time to time, but there's still a lot with his game that needs to be worked on. Is he elite? No. Is he on the level of Giannis? No. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a perennial all-star. Okay. I love everything you just said because I've been saying that. He's an all-star. I notice people, especially these Pelly fans, they, since he came from college to the pros, they've been pushing, and the media have been pushing him to be this superstar LeBron guy, and he's not. 
He's been in the league for four years. In the four years, his numbers is okay. He only played three seasons, but he only played it in 19, 24 games, 20 games, 61 games. That's the year he made the All-Star. In 22, he played 21 games. He missed all of 21. My point is, everybody keep crowning this guy. He done nothing in the NBA yet. Now, as a team effort, we saw we see this year that got him to the first seed. He played a major part in that. Now, everybody keep forgetting. I think this is B.I. team. B.I. to C.J. to Zion. I think Zion is a, another guy. He's just a guy, a jag guy. He got to find his role in this because that team last year, especially last year but the last few years, showed without him they, they can succeed without him. I think people crowning this guy too fast because if he's that guy, why he's not holding them in the number one seed? They're on a, a losing streak. But 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 Paul but guy. Paul, Bi was out and so was Herb Jones when they won seven straight when they ascended to the number one and he was averaging thirty four points a night. So you can't you, you, so you, you you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that well, because there was no not, Bi no Herb Jones for that. So let's be fair. I, I am. I'm looking at he pretty much playing with the same guys Bi played with last year when he didn't really be there and they went to the playoffs. You see what I'm saying? I'm looking at a longevity Bi played with guys. And brought him to the playoffs but, while but, he was but, really non-existent. But Paul, but Paul, but Paul, they weren't a good team until they got the CJ McCollum trade. You're giving far too too much credit to Bi. That was not a good team until they made the CJ McCollum trade, was there? I and agree. they still That's had to go in too. as the play-in. They had to win the play-in tournament. They weren't a top yeah. four seed last year. Oh, I agree. They've been struggling every year to get in the playoffs. CJ McCollum I, is the guy. That that's exactly. the guy. He's your leader. He's the yeah. guy that sets the tone. And mm-hmm. if you don't think that the front office and David Griffin want Zion to be the alpha male in the room, you're fooling yourself. Oh. No, I'm not saying they don't want. That's why I said they're pushing it. That's why I also said in order is B-I-C-J and um, then Zion. I know, I know what you said. C-J is like the – he's not the face, but he's that guy set, set the tone guy. On. I agree with all of that. You know what I mean? But Vi was there first, so it's his team. Yikes me! But I think they wanted to be Zion. They they trying to push Zion. Zion not there yet. I'm tired of people giving Zion flowers he never earned yet. He didn't earn them yet. He ain't played. Remember, I just gave you his his um is the the time he played in the last four years, and he he missed the whole year. These guys put it down for years. You know, guys been putting it down while he was on the bench, hurt and fat and eating at the buffet. He don't. He didn't earn his strikes yet. But let me ask you this, he Paul. Let, let me let no. Let, let me ask you this because if he was playing for the Knicks, you probably wouldn't feel that way. So let's be real oh, for I a really, second. I really would. <laughs> let, let's be. Why is there such Zion hate? Because th- th- this is interesting to me. Because the kid. <laughs> because no, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm being I, I'm being real. The kid's it's never okay. done anything to anybody. He 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 hasn't done anything. He's been injured, and mm-hmm. he didn't pick to be the number one overall pick, right? So that That's wasn't right. his that wasn't his decision. He's just a guy that wants to play basketball. Yet I find a mm. visceral reaction for Zion haters against him. Like anytime they have any success, you guys come out against him. And I just I, I, I explain it to me for a guy who's apparently a good kid and doesn't do anything wrong. Why is there such hate for him? One, I'm gonna say it again. They're giving him flowers that he never earned yet. But that's, that's modern sports one. culture, Paul. That, that's in every sport. That's in every yeah, sport. I, okay. Especially the it's, NBA. 
Okay, exactly. I have a problem when they do that with players. I don't care what sport it is. If you didn't earn it, I'm not giving you no flowers. I get about the business trying to push people out there because it's a business. You know what I mean? You need stars and this new people coming in to keep the business, the revenue rolling in. But you didn't earn it. LeBron had to earn it even though he was getting it, doing his thing in high school. He had to still prove it in the pros. You know, same as the Colbys. They pushed that um, guy out there to make that revenue. I get it, to make stars. But you still got to prove yourself. He haven't proven it yet. He was eating his way out of New Orleans. He didn't want to be there on draft day to this to this day. This he finally wanted to be there this year because of the cameras in his face, and he saw them boys do what they did without him. And I remember that camera in his face when they called him out because he was trying to. He didn't want to be there. He wanted to be in New York. I didn't want that boy. I didn't want him. I don't like him. He 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 went to Duke, but I'm not judging him by that. I don't like the situation they stole that draft pick from us, but I'm not judging about that. Stole, stole the draft at. pick, says the guy who roots for a team that just so happened to get Patrick Ewing gifted to them back in the day. Really? But okay, so that's, fine. For that. that's fine. That's fine. That? <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, you, you, you can't complain about that. You can't complain about Zion. Come on, stop. Stop. Yeah, had Patrick saying, Ewing. He never earned his flowers. We can't give him flowers that he never earned yet. If, He's I mean, in the process, I can't, but, I can't give you but a Paul, but you Paul, time out, Paul. He's in the process of earning it. No one's giving him flowers yet. I'm not giving him flowers yet. He's earning it. He's trying to get to that next level. A lot of people are. But see, see, Paul. But Paul. Zion Zion did this. Zion did did nothing but stay his way out. Paul, it is Christmas. You're making me yell, first of all. It is Christmas week. You're making me yell. What you doing? What you doing? It's Christmas week. You need to calm down. First of all, once again, for a guy that don't play for your team, it sure does negatively impact you in a wrong way. And that's a weird thing, dude. That's a weird thing. Come on. It's Christmas. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Knicks fan. I got two championships. They don't have none. We rebuilding. We going to We don't have Cat. stars and all of that. And Cat. we just succeed. Paul. We're not saying Paul. we win the championship like these Pelly fans. Paul, say. that championship came a long time ago, brother. We still got two. Can't take it away. <laughs> Get out of here, man. Get out of here. Merry Christmas right. to you, you maniac. Merry Christmas. Have a good one. Go Nick. One maniac. Let's trade one maniac for another because he's another one too. Martin's waiting. Go ahead, Martin. Merry Christmas. You going to make me yell too? Martin, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to make you yell. but. I got that, that man, that Yankees fan. Your boy. That's, that's your man. That's your man. Don't try to pretend like you and Paul aren't boys. So don't even try to pretend that nonsense. I ain't here for it today. Good continue.
I'm, I'm, I'm through this. He's a Celtics man. He, he ain't no Knicks man. He was picking up for the Celtics last season when they were in the finals and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he say he's a he's a North Carolina fan. But no, he he wouldn't be all over Brandon Ingram. And it's time people start giving Zion Williams his respect. I know he he was hurt a lot, but look how often LeBron hurt. I'm about to start calling LeBron Street Clothes number two. Y'all killing me. Y'all killing me. Martin, I love you, but I got to hit a break. (laughs) Merry Christmas, brother. Merry Christmas, Paul. Y'all are just a mess, man. Y'all are a mess. Paul's sitting there talking about Knicks championships. The last time they won a championship was 1973. That was before I was born. That was before I was born. Phil Jackson, I think, was on that team, or he was on the 1970 team. I forget. They haven't even played for a championship since 1999. The Knicks wasted Patrick Ewing. That's where my own mom was born. <laughs> the man's out there talking. The Knicks. They have Knicks. Stop it. Zion is a work in progress. He missed all of last year. The man's played, like, what, 50 games in three years? <laughs> I have concerns about his body holding up for a lengthy career. Okay, that's always been my big concern. And I stand, I will sit here and I tell you, when that draft went down, I prefer John Morant because the game is a guard game. And John Morant's got that dog in him. Zion has to learn to have that dog in him. I will concede to all of that. But I just don't get it, man. Like, First of all, if you're paying attention to what national folks have to say about teams in the state of Louisiana, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're just going to drive yourself crazy. Don't do that. Don't pay attention to that nonsense because that's all it is. It's nonsense. It's fabricated nonsense. Just appreciate the big fellow for what he is. He's a very good player trying to be great. Just appreciate him for what it is. We don't always have to hate on people all the time. Can't wait. Zion getting his flowers. Who cares who's giving him flowers? That ain't my problem. I just like seeing the big fella play when he's healthy. When he's healthy, he's a good player. Is he great yet? No. No, he's not great yet. Could he be great? Sure could. But only time will tell. Y'all wild, riled up. Paul and Martin riled up. It's Christmas, man. It's Christmas. Y'all making me raise my voice on Christmas. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. We'll update that poll question of the day. That's all next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number one. Remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip Brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and so much more. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has VIP passes to Hangout Fest. Enter in the Game Rewards Club 
at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. The VIP, you know what it gives you? Access to exclusive viewing areas. That's right. You don't have to be all bunched in with all the other sweaty people. Stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Man, get to go behind the curtain, so to speak, here. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other. Find out more and enter to win at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Poll question of the day. We asked you, it's Christmas theme because it is Christmas. Do you put up white or multicolored lights? What is your jam for the holidays? Right now, 40% of you say you put up white lights. 33% of you say you put up multicolored lights. 27% say both. Salty Steve says, nothing like bright white lights. It's just classy. Hashtag no salt Xmas week. My man is committed to no salt this week, and I appreciate him. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a time out. When we return, we're going to talk all things Louisiana Raging Cajuns with our friend Dan McDonald, the man who's the play-by-play voice for the ESPN Plus broadcast. He joins us next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Oh, man, it's a good time right now. Women's basketball team got themselves. They're trying to find their way, get more wins in their ledger before they start conference play. The men's basketball team's taking a trip over to Texas to take on UT. And, well, the football team's preparing for a bowl game Friday in apparently sub-zero temperatures. To break it all down for us is the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and the man who's the play-by-play voice for the ESPN Plus broadcast for Raging Cajun Athletics. Dan McDonald joins us now. Dan, good morning to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's a it's a gorgeous day outside compared to what it's going to be like out on the field Friday. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be absolutely brutal. Actually, you know they're they're saying we're not going to have the precipitation, you know. So that's that's one good thing. But you know whether or not these teams are ready for the the chilly conditions they're going to see, you know. You know, below zero wind chill is is a definite possibility. So uh, it's. I hope they're ready for that. Yeah, uh, like, that's going to be my lead questions when I'm up there for the press conference on Thursday. Yeah, yes, uh, Coach Des, have you purchased plenty of thermal underwear for your team? Um, because it's going to be needed out there inside uh, Independent Stadium. Let's let's start with the football team because I feel this is a. Uh, this is a pretty big game for the program. They win. Not only do they get a bowl win, but they also get to end the season with a winning record, which is, you know, I know for a lot of people, oh, you know, what, what's the big deal if you're seven and six and six and seven? Well, I think it means a lot for momentum purposes 
for an offseason, and it means a lot of pride as well for the coaching staff uh, trying to wrap up year one with a win. How big of a deal is getting a win on Friday, Dan? Well, I think it's a big deal. I mean, you see the graphics all the time that people flash up during games that, you know, some team is trying to get its, its uh, you know, trying to keep a streak going of winning records alive. And, you know, in this game is the difference in that. They've got a pretty good streak going of wins. But, you know, it's uh, I, I think it's big just because of that, is that you can, you know, when you can tout that, you know, your, your senior class, you know, this year, I mean, your normal senior class, four-year senior class, has never known a losing season. You know, they've always had winning seasons. And to, you know, to be able to say that, you know, that's a – I think it's something that you use it in recruiting. You use it, you know, as a motivation thing. I, th- I think you use it in a lot of different ways. Now, uh, the the palpable uh, benefits to playing in a bowl game have already been ha- – that's already happened. You've got the extra practices in, and you'll get a few more in this week. You've been able to have basically almost another full spring under your belt. That's the that's the thing that people – a lot of people don't realize it's important about bowl games is that these teams get more practice time, uh, and they get to look at a lot of their new players. We're going to see a lot of players – hit the field that have only played in a couple of games this year because they can still play games and not affect their redshirt status. I think we're going to see, you know, numerous guys like that and see at least some action on Friday. The wide receiving core is interesting to me. Jefferson is preparing for the NFL draft. He's their best wide receiver. They have another young man that's already entered the transfer portal and he's headed to Tulane. Who do we expect to step up in the receiving core for Friday's bowl game, Dan? Well, I've been waiting for Peter LeBlanc to break through all year long. I mean, we know that he is capable. He's he's had games that he's done, you know, some good things in the past, notably last year. Uh, but they've got, you know, th- that's the, one of the positions that they do have, you know, at least a good amount of depth. Uh, Lance Lejeune is, you know, is a guy that I think is mercurial since he moved from, you know, the quarterback spot where he was not going to really probably get a chance to play at wide receiver. He's going to get a ton of chances to play and he's going to be a really, really good one for it's all over with. You've got Earl Rogers there. You've got those three tight ends that, you know, they, they are, a lot of times they act like wide receivers. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's an issue there. There's an issue in that Jefferson was really your deep down the field threat. Uh, you know, and that's, that's something that somebody's going to have to, you know, uh, spread the defense and make somebody respect the downfield ball. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think that the wide receiver spot is the most important spot on this team going into the weekend. I think it's the defensive line where they've got, a, you know, Andre Landry won't play academic reasons. Uh, Jordan Lawson's hurt. Kendall Wilkerson's gone. Uh, you know, they've got like three or four guys that, you know, normally would play. And then there's Andre Jones right behind him at linebacker who, who won't play. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be the key is that they can get some, some pass rush. You know, I think that they'll throw the football. I think UL will throw the football with some success. I think the key is they've got to somehow slow Houston throwing the football with a lot of success down. And maybe the weather will have something to do with it. Maybe those frigid temperatures will, you know, will work to their benefit. And the wind gusts are projected to be anywhere between 16 to 11 miles per hour, so that could play a role, especially in the the way Independent Stadium is, is laid out up there in Shreveport, where maybe that could slow down Dana Holgerson's passing attack. Dana is the head coach of the Cougars. 
He is a Mike Leach disciple. They, he loves to chuck the ball around the field. That's how he's always done in his career. How much is the Raging Cajuns back end of their defense going to get tested on Friday? I think a lot. I keep hearkening back to, uh, I mean, because you know I'm old and, and getting older all the time, but I keep thinking back to uh, to when the Cajuns went up to play Washington State, and then they were so ill-prepared for to face that kind of throwing game. I think they're much more prepared for it because offenses like that have become more commonplace. Does anybody rear back and throw it as much as Houston does in the Sun Belt? Not really. You know, there's some that may come close. You know, Troy has done that in the past. Uh, South Al likes to throw it down the field. But nobody throws it with more consistency than Houston does. I think that's the biggest test is if they can get pressure on the quarterback and if the uh, if they don't get pressure, you know, if the if the D backs can come up with a few plays, uh, and they've got to work together. If they don't, if one if one part of that lets down, you know, it could be a long day. But if they both work and they both do what they're supposed to do, I, I think that they could have some success. I may be completely wrong, but uh, I've uh, I've come not to count this team out. They played too many close games this year where they've where they've been right in it at the end. Talking with Dan McDonald, he's the play-by-play man for the ESPN Plus broadcast of Raging Cajun Athletics. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Can Eric Gare be an X factor, a guy that can maybe turn this game in the Cajuns' favor? I think I think that's a something that's not a lot of people talking about. Houston's not there; they've got some deficiencies on their special teams. You know, they they they've got a solid offense, solid defense. But but they've given up some returns, and they've also had some you know some shaky play in some other parts of their their uh, their game changers, as uh, Billy Napier used to call them, and I think they're still using that. And it's because that's the case; they can change a game. Uh, they've done it a couple times this year. They've done it some in the past. You know, I, I think that you know if if he gets the opportunity. You know, there's uh you know again the cold weather is going to have something to do with that. You know, you, you hope it doesn't you know, disintegrate down into a game where you just punt, you punt back and forth all day. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. But if they if he gets some opportunities, I think he can make some plays and, and change the field position a little. And field position might wind up being very important, again, if the conditions are like that we think they might be. Zion Hill Green is a young man I covered from high school throughout his Cajun career. Uh, he's one of the probably the best student athletes I've ever interacted with. He represents his school well. He's you know preparing to move on to the draft, but he's playing in the bowl game. He has an opportunity to be the all-time sack leader in program history. What has Zion meant to this program, especially with as many coaches as he's played for? Well, I, one, I think he's special. I, I agree with you. He's 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 just a young man that's you know you you always walk away from him. You know, with with some kind of positive feel, uh, you know, we'll, he'll get a chance to break that sack record because he's going to have a lot of chances to chase the quarterback down uh, on Friday. Uh, and I and I I think and I hope that he will get it. But uh, he's he is a guy. You know, when I mentioned all those other defensive linemen, you know, all not having them it could be a key. If uh, if Zion wasn't playing, it's a huge, huge key. Uh, and but he's going to play, and he's going to get out there, and he's going to play that one more time. And and I think that's pretty special, you know, in this day and age, because he could he could easily be preparing for the draft himself right now, and and he's not. He wanted to play the one more game. So uh, so good for him, and you know, good for everything that he stands for. Let's switch to the hardwood. 
Give me your thoughts on Bob Marlin's bunch and their start to the season. Only the one, uh, only the one loss. Well, I liken them to the Cajun football team over the last couple of years prior to this season. Is that sometimes you you have teams that will just find a way to win, and and they've done that. They've had uh, you know a lot of games have come down to absolutely the last couple possessions, and in every one of them that's been close. I mean the. The Drake game, well, it was close, but, you know, it got a little out of hand in the last two or three minutes. Every game that they have been, you know, had a chance to win, they have found a way, whether it's been going down low like they did uh, in Lake Charles the other night against McNeese and finding success there, whether it's been, you know, getting guys hot from the perimeter and making shots, or whether it's just been cranking down on the defensive end. They forced a couple turnovers that have changed games in the last minute this year. You know, sometimes you know, it's just you can have a team, you know, I don't want to use the term team of destiny yet, but, you know, a, a team that can, you know, somehow when the, when the, you know, the old saying, you know, is as the, the late, great John Belushi said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But, and he, uh, I think this team is sort of like that. Uh, they, uh, they've, they've got a lot of guys that have a lot of experience, and I, I think that is a big part of that, is that guys have played before. They sort of know what happens when it gets down to the end. And I think that that will translate over into conference play when they start that next week. Now, going to Texas Tuesday, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a task. Uh, this, this, the Longhorn teams, they've been in some turmoil and so forth. But, you know, they've had a chance to put that a little bit in the rearview mirror. And, you know, I, I think they probably have a point to prove. They almost blew a game to Rice the other night. Uh, I, I think that they're probably are thinking themselves, you know, it's time to go out and play like we're capable of playing. You were on the call last night for the women's basketball game after it being competitive for a quarter. The Gary Broadheads team was able to pull away to get the eighty-one to victory, eighty-one to fifty victory over LSUA. Look, it's a win over LSUA. Nothing really to write home about, but they do get to six and six overall. Oh. Uh, What's the thing that really kind of stands out to you about this year's women's team? Well, one, they're going to get a lot better when they get healthy. And I think the nine days in between games is going to let them get healthy. Destiny Rice basically has not played at all in the last two games. She played only five minutes uh, in the loss at Lamar before winning had a, well, I guess we can call it a concussion because she's in the concussion protocol and she's not getting to play right now. Didn't play last night. Sherry Porter, another person who, another uh, young lady who has started basically every game and gives them a scoring threat, did not play at all last night. Still has family issues. She's missed the last two games. And uh, Ashlyn Jones uh, did not play. She got hurt in pregame warm-up at Lamar. She twisted an ankle, sprained ankle. She was still on crutches last night. They need all three of those if they're going to be any kind of factor in conference play. And I think it's a great deal that they've got the nine days now that they don't, you know, don't have a game and can get ready for that uh, December 29th game against Georgia State. And I also think it's big that they played the first two conference games at home, December 29th, Georgia State, New Year's Eve against Coastal Carolina, because uh, the injured don't have to travel. They they get to play at home, and and people don't realize how hard it is. You know, if you're walking around on crutches, you you don't want to be walking around. You want to be off it as much as possible. You can't do that if you go on the road. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's big for them that, that they play so many 
home games early. They play four of their first six at home in conference play. And I think if they get fully healthy, you know, they could still be a factor. I know they are right at the bottom in most of the conference stat rankings and so forth. Uh, they're six and six. They've had some games. They have not played very well. But they also haven't had their full uh, – they haven't had their full group for most of the season. If they could ever get every, anybody healthy, you know, I still think they can be a factor. Dan, appreciate your time. As always, be safe traveling today, uh, brother. Enjoy the time that you're going to spend with the family on this holiday break, and I'll see you on Friday for the game, brother. Looking forward to Shreveport. You know, that game just has a tradition of bad weather, so why not? <laughs> that it does. That it does, brother. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, Dan. Appreciate it. it Dan's not wrong. Uh, I've been to the game twice as a fan just to go, and the weather's always terrible. Always terrible. Doesn't matter who's playing. It, uh, always you're going to get some type of bad weather in Shreveport for the eyeball. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy uh, poll question of the day. It's all about Christmas this week. Every poll question will be Christmas themed. And today's is all about Christmas lights. Do you put up white lights or do you go with the multicolored lights? And right now, man, we got a good, good votes here. Good little competition going on. 44% of you say white lights. 32% say multicolored lights. And 24% of you say both. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Do you put up white lights or multicolored lights or both for the Christmas holidays? I'm talking on your tree or on your house. Either one. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. That's going to wrap up our number two of RP3 and Company. When we come back, Jim Gazzolo, that's right, JC from LC joins us, the great one. Going to talk all things McNeese Cowboys. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. You know we're having a great show. We're talking New Orleans Pelicans. Losing last night, fourth straight loss in a row for the Pels. Monday night football, there was no Baker Mayfield magic left for the Rams as they were eliminated from playoff contention, and the Green Bay Packers kept their slim hopes alive of making the playoffs. We live in an era now where the Detroit Lions have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Green Bay Packers do, and you know what? I'm here for it. But you know what? We're about to talk some McNeese Cowboys or Cowgirls. That means the show's about to be taken to another level. Yeah, we already had Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer Dan McDonald on to talk Cajuns. But now it's time for us to talk whew, to a man that does it all. Host of the McNeese Coaches Show every Wednesday night here 
on the game. He's also host of Poke Nation on television. He also writes about the McNeese Cowboys Cowgirls for the Lake Charles American Press. Oh, it's our good friend, the great one, better known as Jimmy G from LC, not JC from LC. I'm not for sure where that came from. Our good friend Jim Gazzolo joins us now. Jim, good morning. Merry Christmas to you and your family, bud. How are you? I can change my name if it fits the Raymond agenda. I have an agenda. Like, I have enough energy to even have an agenda. <laughs> I'm here for you, name change and all. Name change and all. Bud, but let's start off with something positive. Yeah, your Bears were eliminated from playoff contention early. But Justin Fields only becomes the third quarterback ever to rush for 1,000 yards in the season. That's something good. You know, and we got the number two pick in the draft. There you go. That's even better. You know who else is having a good year? The the Lions, who may sneak into the playoffs and still will have a, number, a top three pick because of the Rams. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very good year. Oh, that's, right a, there. That's, that, that's the most ideal scenario. All right, bud, you and I sat beside each other and watched a a very spirited performance by the McNeese Cowboys last week when they took on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. But they still lost. And then on Sunday, they lost again on the road at Southern Miss. What needs to happen for John Aiken's team to be able to turn a corner? Well, first of all, they need to get in the league. They have played – the last four teams they have played are a combined 45 and 5. And when I count tomorrow night's game at Houston, uh, they will have played four top 25 teams, two top seven teams. Um, they've had a tough sled. But they really – they have to be more consistent. We, we've said this all along. They have moments. Southern Miss is a prime example. They come out and give up 10 points to start the game. Now they're behind. Play really well and even for the rest of the game, except for the free throws at the end. But they had that lull. They have a lull in every game. And that, that there's a run that gets them in every game. They don't consistently hang on to the ball enough to stop those runs. And that's what they got. They ultimately have to do that. You know, watching them play, the turnovers is a big issue for for them. They And they... And it's not that they're not being well coached. It's not as if they're they're not executing. There's just times in games where it's like they have too much energy, Jim, if that makes any sense. They get yeah. too amped up, and then they get sloppy with it then is when it happens. They, they, they play with a fervor and out of control during periods of the game. They play very hard, but they play out of control during stretches. And um, – we saw that against the Cajuns. Obviously, they cut it to two uh, with four minutes left, and then they they turn the ball over a couple of times, take a couple of quick shots, get out of their rhythm, and then the Cajuns hit their free throws, and that's the game. You say they just have to get to conference play, but there's some pretty good teams in that conference, in particular Northwestern State kind of stands out to me. And, you know, UNO is always, you know, usually really competitive and good. I know the level of competition they faced is going to help them get prepared for conference play. And after facing such a tough slate, you should be better prepared. But you still have to execute. 
So, yeah. you know, do you believe that this team is going to execute better once they get to Southland Conference play when that begins later this month uh, on New Year's Eve? I, I think it all comes down to what he what he settles for his rotation. Does he allow Darren O'Day to play a lot as a freshman? Does that give him? Does he go with the four guards we saw? Does he go small? Um, that that group seemed to hang on to the basketball very well, and has. Can they get enough? Then then it's the question is: Do you have enough firepower inside to match up? They have a couple of different ways they can play, so I think they have some options. But they have to find the right group of seven or eight and kind of go with them. I don't. I don't think this is a team that's ten, twelve deep. Christian Shoemate earned All Conference honors last year. Preseason guy this year, one of the few ones to receive that for the Cowboys. But he's had an inconsistent start to the season. Coach Aiken talked about it after the Cajuns game, Jim, about how they just kind of told him, "Hey, you know what? The stuff that we've been working on, I guess, essentially try to make him a more diverse player." They're like, hey, forget all that. Just go play. Um, why do you think it didn't work with what they were trying to do early in the season? And do you believe now that he's had, you know, is no longer kind of handcuffed, so to speak, that he can just go play and be able to elevate this team? Well, I think what he, I think he is the player that he is, which is a high energy, high around the rim guy i don't think he's the type of guy that they were trying to make him out to be which is a jump shooter and a slasher maybe that's a year away maybe that's two years away maybe it never happened but this is a, a basketball team that has in the past it didn't have enough shooters it has some shooters now what it really needs is an inside presence they're good on the boards shoemate is a big part of that he leaves them in rebounds uh, and he's a go-getter at the rim let him do that let him be athletic let him be that type of player I think they have enough other pieces around him on the outside to do that. I'm not sure they have enough inside. Um, Jonathan Massey is really an important part of this. The sophomore has moved off the point and become kind of the three guy. He has to be the guy that, that, that can drive the ball. Uh, Trey English is going to go to the basket. Darren O'Day is going to go to the basket. Um, they have some finishers at the basket. Do they have enough guys that can take it to the basket, kick and shoot to make three-point shots? They've done pretty well with that. Um, I think what they're lacking really is a consistently uh, a consistent point guard, a consistent way to get into their offense and get some easy baskets. A lot of times they go through periods in the game where it's just a struggle to get into their offense. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo. He covers the McNeese Cowboys. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Who presents – the, the biggest challenges, who are going to be some of the tough teams in the Southland Conference in addition to Northwestern State? Who else has kind of stood out to you from afar, Jim? I think Nichols has looked good. They've had a tough schedule. They're 5-6, and 31-0 in the conference. Uh, I, think, I think it's a very top-heavy league. Uh, I think the bottom half is going to struggle. I think the top half is going to compete for, for the spots. Um, but I, I want to see Northwestern State – They've beaten some good teams, but a couple of times they didn't have their best players. So I want to see what they look like when everybody's healthy um, and everybody's kind of on equal footing. And we'll see them on uh, the second game, the first home game on January 5th on uh, Joe Dumar's day. That's right. I want to ask you about that. That's a good lead-in, bud. Lots you, of you, stuff in the chuck going on. Lots, lots of stuff. Uh, I love yeah, I mean, big day tomorrow for Gary Goff. Everything's happening. 
Well, I want to get to that as well. Just, you know, hey, easy now. Easy now. Let's 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 one, one thing at a time here. That's how we do things here on the show. All right, bud. Joe Dumars Day, it's a big deal. They're gonna name the court after him. He is by far their greatest player in program history. And for a program yeah. that hasn't had a lot of success in basketball, we're talking what uh, 10 plus years since they had a winning record overall or in conference play. Uh, they've only been to the NCAA tournament twice. How big of a deal is it to have Joe come back and to dedicate the court to, uh, in his honor on January 5th? How big of a deal is that? I think it's a big deal for them to kind of show the people that remind them that it, they have had basketball here. It's been pretty good. Um, but I think it's important to kind of set the stage for where they want to take it. Um, they want to they want to bring back what little history they have that's good, and build on it. I, I think anytime you can get a NBA Hall of Famer, uh, a two time NBA champion, uh, a guy who's involved in the league as deeply as anybody, built an NBA champion, and just the name recognition to be a part of your program, it's obviously a benefit to you. And it reminds people because it'll be on the court. Now all these games are on ESPN plus it'll be on the court every time that it's there, that, that they have that history. It can't help but enhance what has become the legacy center, which is still the best facility in the league. Great facility. I love the uh, crowd. Uh, a pretty decent crowd. More than 2000 folks showed up for the game versus UL. So you have a state of the art facility. You're going to be naming the court after Joe Dumars. Uh, lots of positives. Um, and you're going to host the conference tournament as well. It would be helpful if the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team were good as well. Correct? Yes. <laughs> that is Ultimately, that's what's going to have to happen. Um, I think they both suffered through some of the flu. They both suffered through really tough schedules. they got to get to a place where they can play schedules that are comparable to other people within their league and they don't have to go play the four or five money games. Um, that That is ultimately where they're at if you want to be a mid-major and have a good record. But you do see that, that, that the, the records are skewed to teams that had to go out and get those games and teams that haven't. And that is uh, that's why the league is really an interesting setting because – Everybody will be on the same ground, and we'll see what actually teams have. Let's switch over to football because typically what's happened in the last couple of years, the early signing period has been reserved for FBS football, right? And yeah. in particular, yeah. Power 5 teams in FBS football, they get the majority of their guys early, lock them up, and then the traditional period in February – for National Signing Day has become more for the group of five schools and in particular FCS schools. But man, I'm hearing a lot of chatter and I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media. Could Gary Goff actually sign a couple of guys during the early signing period this week for the Meanest Cowboys football team? I talked to him last week and he was optimistic and hopeful. He said that, and he made the great statement, if our commits hold, I think we'll have a very good day on Wednesday. I think we'll surprise some people with the numbers. I'm hearing maybe 13 people. Remember that they only had three or four last year. 
look on social media, and yeah, there's a lot of kids that have committed. But the the interesting thing to that is, do the commits hold? Because this is where it gets interesting. Until they're on paper, until their names are on paper, you don't know what they're going to do. And I, I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing that they're anticipating a nice day, but we have to wait and see. And I, I have not seen it. I have not seen any of the commits say quarterback yet on social media. So, um, but they've worked very hard to. They want to bring people in at the break. Um, to their credit, and they worked very hard on junior colleges. So that's where I want to see where they go. Uh, but, yeah, typically this is not – he has openly said that he has benefited from the fact that the four schools in Texas did not have head coaches. And even if he doesn't get the quarterback, which we know is the top priority, if he can get even, – even if it's only like eight guys during the early signing period to commit and have those guys enroll early and have them be on campus starting in January – well, that's going to give him a huge leg up for preparation for next season because you're going to have more of a reflection of what the team's going to look like in the spring than we have in years past. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal for them, especially if they get the, uh, I like to say, especially if they get the skilled offensive guys on campus um, because those are the guys that have to carry the program. They're the ones that have to learn the system, have to understand the system, and the more reps they get in practices together, the more reps they get just working out together, the better off you are, obviously. That's why there's no question that he'd like to get one or two quarterbacks in here to start working with them immediately. Brother, appreciate your time as always. Merry Sorry Christmas. About the raspy voice. <laughs> I, I, I know why you have it, so you don't have to worry about that. Merry Christmas to you and your family but i hope you have a tremendous holiday uh season my friend yes and uh well for once you are not the biggest pain in my butt (laughs) (laughs) thank you jim (laughs) (laughs) have a good day you too brother we got to take a time out we'll update the poll question of the day and also share some interesting information with you updated standings for the nfl playoff picture Woo. Going to be some battles in this last three weeks. We'll get to that next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 24. Do not buy your wonderful wife a mixer or knife set or any other kitchen item. Since she puts up with you all year, she deserves jewelry, you filthy animal. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, NBA fans, no need to be blue. DraftKings Sportsbook is my go to when it comes to betting on the NBA this holiday season. You know, I love to do the same game parlays. I love the player prop bets. Look at last night's game, for example, between the Pels and the Milwaukee Bucks. The over-under was 18.5 points for C.J. McCollum. Well, man, my man dropped more than 30 if you went over. Big-time payday. But Zion, over-under was 25.5. He went under. 
So I love the game inside the game. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a very special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Check it out. This month, everyone can earn a no-sweat bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. And get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited time offer. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Max reward limits do apply. One free bet issued based on an amount of initial losing bet. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Licensee partners, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem or know someone that does, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk a little NFL here while we have a few moments before we bring on Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights in about eight minutes from right now to talk all things Pels. Three weeks left in the regular season. And the playoff picture is starting to come into a little bit clearer now. Now, start in the AFC. Buffalo is, if the playoffs began today, the Buffalo Bills would be the number one seed. They would get the first round bye. And then your wild card round matchups would be the Miami Dolphins as the seven seed, eight and six overall, playing at Kansas City, 11 and three. Your 6-3 matchup would be the Los Angeles Chargers at 8-6 at the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 10-4. And And the 5-4 matchup would be the Baltimore Ravens at 9-5 overall at Tennessee, who's 7-7. What's interesting to me is that you're going to see movement here in this. I still believe the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. They'll probably be the 6 or 7. I think the Chargers are trending in the right direction as well. Sorry, I think that also takes Sean Payton off the table to be their next head coach. Cincy and Baltimore are going to battle it out the last three weeks to see who's going to win the division. I like Cincinnati to still do that. But Tennessee is the wild card here in all of this. The Titans are fading. They've looked awful. Ryan Tannehill has played some of his worst football the last four weeks. They could very well get caught by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's still some movement here, even though it looks like Buffalo's probably going to remain unless they stumble down the stretch. Either them or Casey are going to be your one seed with the bye. But I do think you're going to see the Chargers. I do think you're going to see the Dolphins in it. Baltimore, Cincinnati battling it out for the AFC North title to see who's going to host. And then the Titans. Can the Titans hold on to the AFC South division? Because Jacksonville, with, by the way, a very good head coach in Doug Peterson, makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? They're coming. So we'll see. There's going to be some jockeying for positioning in the AFC. In the NFC, still plenty to be played for as well. But right now, if the playoffs began today, 
Philadelphia Eagles are unquestioned your number one seed. They're going to get the bye. Then it's going to be every other NFC East team in the playoff field if it started today. That's crazy to me. The 7-2 matchup would be the Washington Commanders at 7-6-1 playing at Minnesota 11-3. Vikings are going to win that division. Vikings are going to host a home playoff game. The 6-3 matchup is the Giants versus the 49ers. Giants, the G-Men, are 8-5-1. They would take on 10-4 San Francisco. 49ers may be the best team in the NFC when it's all said and done. They're healthy, and they're getting right. Plus, they're just dangerous, and they do things very well. Run the football and play defense. That always benefits you when you come to the playoffs. And then... Your 5-4 matchup, which is intriguing, the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tampa's going to win the division. Sorry, Saints fan, that's what's going to happen. They're going to win the division, and they're going to have a losing record and host a playoff game, more than likely going to be Dallas. Unbelievable. San Francisco could overtake Minnesota for the two-spot. So there could be some jockeying there in the last three weeks. Will all the NFC East teams get in? And the determining factor there is going to all depend on what Detroit does. The Lions are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They're right on the outside looking in, getting into the postseason. Both the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants look vulnerable to me. They can be caught. Now, Detroit's going to have to keep winning, and they're going to have to get some help here with either Washington or the Giants stumbling in their last three games. But that's going to be interesting to see. Can Detroit overcome one of those teams from the NFC East and prevent four teams from one division getting into the NFC playoffs? Three weeks still to go. It's absolutely fascinating to me. And like I said, the AFC, I think that's set. It's all going to come down. Can Tennessee hold off Jacksonville? I don't think New England's going to get in. I don't think they're going to catch Miami or the Chargers. I don't think the Jets are going to do that either. But for the NFC, that's the one that's the interesting one because both Seattle at 7-7 and and Detroit at 7-7 and have legitimate chances of catching the Giants and the Commanders. Final three weeks of the season are going to be box office. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk to our guy, Ollie Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. Last time we talked to him, team had won seven straight. Now we're going to talk to him. They've lost four straight. We'll talk about it next. Coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 48. Before you light a roaring holiday fire, make sure the flue is open. Having your house filled with smoke and the fire department dropping by is not cheerful. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man. Can't help but feel good. It's Christmas. You got great Christmas music going on. 
And you know what? It's a long NBA season. So Pelican fan, you may be feeling a little blue having lost four straight, letting Giannis come into your house and push you around. But you're still the fourth best team in the Western Conference and there's still plenty of time to get things right, to talk all things Pelicans, is our good friend, the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, Ali Cassell, joins us now. Ali, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Raymond. I'm doing well. A little bit under the weather. So is the computer. But, hey, it's Christmas, so I cannot be feeling too blue. And so are the Pelicans. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're, they're a little under the weather. All right, so... The, the second Utah game is the one that kind of hurts, right? Because that's a game they should have won. They kind of let it slip through their hands. What do you make of the four-game skid? Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and very easily they could have gone two and two during that stretch. You're right. Utah, again, another overtime game, and it only got to overtime because the Pelicans played very poorly in terms of you know grabbing the rebounds, not committing the turnovers, because every time – Pelicans did allow a turnover. The Jazz scored. And that was kind of a theme over the four losses. I mean, outside of last night, but the previous four games, the Pelicans had, had just been giving up way too many points, right? About an average of 27 every time they committed a turnover in a game. And then on top of that, teams are not supposed to be bullying the Pelicans inside the lane, and that's what was happening. So they kind of got away from the way they were usually playing. And you're right, that Jazz game hurt, and I think the Phoenix game, they had a 24-point lead, and I know Devin Booker was on fire, but that was the only player hurting them. So, you know, there was just a couple things could have been done differently. This four-game losing streak wouldn't exist. They also, I think, teams in particular, you saw it last night where Milwaukee was like, okay, uh, Zion is not going to beat us, right? You could tell that they brought in kind of wave after wave, frustrated the big fella. And, you know, Valachunas went off, C.J. McCollum went off, but they were like, Zion's not going to do it. Is that what we can expect to see for a while until Brandon Ingram comes back and they become a little bit more balanced uh, offensively? I feel like teams have been doing that, Raymond. It's just that Milwaukee's got the three best defenders to do it with. That's true. When you put Drew Holiday right on Zion, and he's almost as strong as Zion. And then, of course, he's got those great hands, so he's got to be careful about dribbling around Holiday. But then behind him, all he saw was Giannis and Brooke Lopez staring at him because those two guys, they left Herb and they left Valanciunas. And you're right, Valanciunas made him pay, but Herb unfortunately couldn't. He had eight three-point shots, only made two of them. Same thing happened with the others, right? Jose couldn't make him pay. Najee Marshall couldn't make him pay. So the Bucks had one game plan, and you're right. They executed it perfectly, and they've got the three best guys. But for the most part, I feel like every game I watch, I see that Zion's looking at multiple eyes. So he's used to this. And, and credit to him, he found something you know, in that fourth quarter where he started going more quickly. That's what the key was, Willie Green said afterwards. It just, he took too much time serving the floor before that point because even though, you know, those are three great defenders. If he's going lightning quick as soon as he catches the ball, he's probably going to find that seam to score, and that's what he found in the fourth. So it's unfortunate it took him that long to get accustomed right, to what he was facing. But, hey, it's another growing experience. He's barely over 100 games played. So overall, I'm not worried about the Pelicans right over this past week because we said they should have gone 2-2. Two and two. They could 
they could have beaten a Bucks team that was absolutely flowing offensively, right? Brooke, Lopez, and Giannis combined for 72 points. If the Pelicans could figure out something defensively with them, well, we probably wouldn't be talking about Zion not scoring or the players missed a few too many threes down the stretch. Well, let me ask you that because I watched a little bit of the game last night. Why didn't they double-team Giannis more? Because I, I just – look, he's special. He may be the best player on the face of the planet, all right? Yeah. So let, let's let's be real for a second. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, defensively, did you like their game plan? Because I, I thought they could have doubled Giannis more every time he touched the ball, at least try to slow him down a little bit more. I did not. And it goes back to that Phoenix game. Devin Booker's going crazy. And you got players like Chris Paul not even looking for their shot. DeAndre Ayton's not playing, and they didn't decide to double Booker until just a few times late. And that made no sense to me. Get the ball out of his hands. Right. Like this guy can make any shot. We saw the same thing last night. And I think the problem is, and Willie Green, to a certain point, has to realize that even though I've got such great individual one-on-one defenders, even that's not going to be good enough you know, against some of these players in this league. And so I think he's probably learned that lesson. Because I saw in last night's game, that Giannis started getting doubled a lot more than Booker did. So I just think they need to go to that well a lot sooner. And then, you know, that probably would have worked because from what I can tell, Giannis did poorly. Or I should say the Bucks. Giannis, when he was doubled, he would pass the ball, make the pass just like Zion was. But the Bucks were not converting. So, yeah, had they gone to it sooner, it probably would have been a different story. We're talking with Ali Cassell. He's the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. You know, it's a long season. And you're going to have ebbs and flows to it, right? And there's a lot to kind of still work on with this team because they are still young. I guess my first question in that regard is this. When can we expect Brandon Ingram to return? That's the biggest one for me. You get Brandon back out there. He's as big of a gravity machine as Zion. So suddenly you can't load up on one guy. You have two superstars on the court. You're going to win a lot of these games. I feel like the Pelicans just lost. Uh, so everybody needs, everybody wants to see him back. And unfortunately, we're not sure yet. And I'm a little worried. It sounds like he's really got something very similar to the you know, football players getting turf toe, to where he really maybe um, it's not just a bruise, right? Even though I know they're listing as a contusion, it feels like that the injury is more of where his ligaments got hurt, right? where he crashed his foot in the back of Dylan Brooks' shoe and somehow, like I said, sustained that. And since then, we were told he had a little bit of a setback, but apparently it's big enough to where he's not comfortable running up and down the court. So until that happens, and, you know, sometimes these things drag on. I mean, look at Desmond Bain. I want to say he's missed now four or so weeks for the Memphis Grizzlies with a similar injury. Paul George last year missed a ton of time with, with, you know, a bad toe. So it happens. And hopefully, like I said, B.I. is on the, on, on the downside of it, but we don't know yet. Somebody asked Willie Green about it yesterday, and he basically was noncommittal on when uh, Brandon would be back. And, and that leads me to my next thing. I guess it, gets, it, gets, it can be a little frustrating for the fan base because it can't seem – it doesn't seem like this team can be healthy at the same time, right? Like – you get only a, a glimpse of it, what this team's potential is. Because if they get healthy, Ollie, and they're all on the court and they all figure it out, this team could be special. But the whole thing is you have to get to that point where they all are on the court at the same time. 
And we just haven't been able to see that at all in, what, three years. Couldn't agree more. They've played the regular starters 10 games out of the first 30. And from what we've seen already this season, it feels like they would be the best team in the West if they could stay on the floor for any period length of time. Like I said, if you've got Brandon and Zion out there, boy, you're, you're going to be doing some damage. And fortunately, CJ's come out of the shell. Maybe Jonas discovers something. But they've been, you know, they're 18 and 12, despite the fact Brandon's missed now, I think, 11 games in a row. Other guys have missed time. You've had slumps. And like I said, you're still fourth in the West. You still have to be feeling good overall, but you're right. I hope, and everybody's got to be hoping that you've got all these guys when it counts, right? When you're coming down the stretch and, of course, entering the playoffs, that's going to be the biggest key. If they can do that, I'll tell you what, we could see some special things. Could see some special things, but everything has to kind of come together yeah. for that. You know, I look at the schedule. I see San Antonio on Thursday. That's a, kind of a get-right game, or at least it should be. The mm -hmm. Spurs are awful. Um, I, man, Popovich must really love coaching because that's, that's not a well-constructed <laughs> team. But that's also a dangerous game as well, Ollie, right? Because it appears to be, hey, that's a favorable matchup. You should be able to win that game. It's a get-right game. But early in the season, that's definitely not an opponent or a coach that you should look past, correct? Right. Spurs teams, they come up with energy, even though they're lacking talent right now. And they're not playing very well as a team because they're so young. I'm still worried about him because you, you just mentioned the, the guy's name. Yeah, Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches of all time, and he's a great motivator. And like I said, his teams, they come out and play. They they don't walk around like we're tanking this season or, or we're done for, you know, a third of the season through, we're packing it in. You're not going to see that out of his team. But I'll tell you what, with the Pelicans, they've already had recently that non-energy type of game, that first one in Utah. And they're, they've lost four in a row, so if any team should be um, not ready to have a letdown, it should be them. That's why I feel pretty confident, because the Pelicans, for the most part, have played with a lot more energy than they usually did in the past, that they'll be fine. I'm, I'm not really too worried about it, thankfully, at least for this matchup. Ollie, the West seems like a log jam up at the top right I don't think there's that much difference between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies and and the other teams there and it seems wide open especially with the Lakers and the Warriors not even in playoff contention right now mm -hmm. the East seems like they have the two best teams not only in, in in their conference but in the entire league Milwaukee and Boston are on another level than anyone out of the West right yeah, we, we got that feeling yesterday. Uh, before the Pelicans got made that run in the fourth quarter, it just felt like, and remember, Pelicans started off hot from three-point range, uh, made way more than the Bucks, but yet they had a consistent like 10-point lead, that felt like, for at least you know half of that game. And you, so you felt like, in our heads, we were talking amongst ourselves that Boston was a tier above. That's why you need Brandon back. Or, excuse me, Milwaukee. And we felt the same way against that Boston matchup, right, when they came here to New Orleans and, you know, showed us why they're number one or should be considered the championship favorite. So right now, as com presently comprised, the Pelicans feel like just a level below those guys. And you're right. They're better than anybody else in the league. So I shouldn't just say that Pelicans might not be on Boston or Milwaukee's level, but it's really the rest of the league. We saw it firsthand. Ollie, appreciate your time as always, brother. Uh, thank you for making it. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and your family, bud. Get to feeling better. 
and we'll talk to you next Tuesday, my friend. Yeah, thank you, Raymond, so much. And Merry Christmas to you and your family and all the listeners out there. It's Ali Cassell, our friend from the Bird Rights. Under the weather, my man stepping up while being sick. Oh, Got to love it. Got to absolutely love it. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll finalize the Christmas poll question of the day. It's all about Christmas lights. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. I'm not saying it's going to be glorious because yesterday it followed a win for his NFL team and followed his baseball team re-signing a key piece and a team leader, and yet it was not a glorious morning, not based on all the yelling he did. So I don't know. Uh, it'll just be footnotes. How about that? <laughs> That'll be coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. I know many of you have probably asked the big uh, fella in the red coat, Santa, for an Alexa or Google Home speaker this holiday season. Well, hey, check this out. If you've been a good boy or girl and Santa brings you that, you can have your Alexa or Google Home help out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. And you know what else it can do? It can also play the game. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. That's right. Ask Alexa or Google to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you may go. I want to take a moment to thank our guest that helped us have a tremendous Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company, Dan McDonald, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and the play-by-play man behind the ESPN Plus broadcast of Raging Cajun Athletics, Jim Gazzolo, host of the McNeese Coaches Show and McNeese Beat reporter for the Lake Charles American Press, and Ali Cassell, the editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights. We had a poll question of the day, Christmas theme. They'll be that way all week long. And we asked you, about Christmas lights. It's sometimes a great debate in the Parch household. It is as well for others. We asked you, do you put up white or multicolored lights? That could be either for your tree or for the outside of your home. White, multicolored, or both? Gets us some comments on Facebook. Randy Russell says both. My wife has five trees up, including in the garage for when she hosts karaoke parties. I let her put whatever she wants on them, and she doesn't make me help. I couldn't win any battles over it anyway. Merry Christmas. Oh, I love that comment. Shout out to Randy for that. Richie Brown says multicolored. When my kids were younger now, I like all the white look. And Edward Purvis says both. Final results, though. Do you put up white or multicolored lights? 44% of you say white lights. 30% say multicolored. And 26% of you say both. Ralph on Twitter says, refer back to my childhood trauma, having been subjugated yearly yearly to kaleidoscope color wheel. I find solace in the soft glow of white lights. Ton says, white on the porch, multi on the tree, no need for a torch, entertainment comes free. Shout out to Ton. He has been on fire this week with the comments thanks to all who voted and left your comments we appreciate you that's going to do it for today's edition of rp3 and company we'll be back tomorrow six to nine tomorrow will be a foodie christmas poll question of the day and we got great guests lined up for you as well bill bender from the sporting news will join us to talk college football bowl season james mueller 
will give us a perspective on the University of Houston Cougars football team who takes on the Raging Cajuns Friday in the Independence Bowl. And Andrew Juge, our buddy from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, will all stop by. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.